0: Welcome back to the Community Online Podcast. This week, we're joined by lead pastor Dave Ferguson as we kick off the series, What We Are Actually Against. Remember, you can always find us on Sundays streaming live at communityonline.tv. We hope to see you there. Have you ever noticed that there are two kinds of people in this world? I mean, there are Coke people. And then there are Pepsi people. Uh, There are dog people. And there are cat people. There are people who think the toilet paper roll goes over. And then there are people who are wrong. (laughs) I'll tell you what. Go ahead and type in the chat, which type of person are you? Uh, Coke or Pepsi? Go ahead and make your case just right there. Why? Which are you? Dog or cat? Go ahead and make your case. And we'll go there, okay? Over or under? Which is it for you and your household? Is it over or under? Now, I could go on and on in dividing up the world, but it was Groucho Marx who famously said there are two kinds of people in the world. Those who think people can be divided up into two types and those who don't. I don't. We live in a time of greater division and polarization than I've ever seen in my lifetime. And sadly, this is not at all the way God meant for us to live. But what if, what if disagreements don't have to lead to division? And what if it's possible to be for something without being against someone else? What if it's possible to be for something without being against someone else? Could it be that we're against all the wrong things? Before we're done with our time together, what I wanna do is I wanna share with you three ways that you and I can fight divisiveness and pursue unity together. Well, today we're starting a brand new series called What We're Actually Against. And as followers of Jesus, even what we're against should actually bring us closer together, not drive us apart. So I'll tell you what, here's what I want to do. I want to kick off this series with a bang, and let's talk about the first thing we should all be against. All right, you ready? Here's what we should all be against. Divisiveness. (laughs) Divisiveness. Now, Now, divisiveness might be rampant here in 2022, but it's not new. It's not new culturally, and it's not new in the church. If we go way back, over 2000 years ago, and look at the letter that the Apostle Paul wrote to the Roman church, we see him saying this. I urge you, brothers and sisters, to watch out for those who cause divisions and put obstacles in your way that are contrary to the teaching that you have learned. Keep away from them, for such people are not serving our Lord Christ, but their own appetites. By smooth talk and flattery, they deceive the minds of naive people. Paul is urging the church in Rome to be on guard for people who want to cause divisions. He was concerned with people who were countering his and other apostles' teaching. But as we look closer, more closely at this text, Paul doesn't even mention the actual topic of his teaching, but rather focuses his concern on being divisive. And why was Paul so concerned about divisiveness? Because Paul understood that the church was established by God to be the people who put the kingdom of God on full display. We're supposed to be the group that actually shows the rest of the world. Here's how God meant for us to live. And Paul places a high value on unity because Jesus places a high value on unity. In fact, notice Jesus' prayer the night before he's crucified. Notice what he prays for and who he's praying for. He says, my prayer is not for them alone. I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message, that all of them may be one. Father, just as you are in me and I am in you, may they also be in us so that the world may believe that you have sent me. I have given them glory that you may give me, that they may be one as we are one. I in them and you in me so they may be brought to complete unity. Then the world will know that you have sent me and have loved them even as you've loved me. All right, question. What is Jesus praying for? Unity. He prays that they may be one as we are one. All right, follow-up question. Who is Jesus praying for? He's praying for you. Isn't that something? He's praying for me. He's actually praying for us. It says there, my prayer is not for them alone, not the immediate disciples, but I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message. He's talking about us. And so what we have here is we have Paul pleading for unity and Jesus praying for unity. Now, it's important to note that unity does not mean uniformity. I mean, uniformity is sameness. Uh, uniformity allows for no difference in beliefs and values and behaviors. We're not called uniformity. In fact, it's actually only possible to have unity within a church if we give up on uniformity. Now, on the other hand, unity is the state of being united or joined as a whole. What happens when a group of people decides uh, to be one heart, one mind, one mission? That's unity. God made every one of us unique. We have different gifts, we have different passions, different education levels, different personalities. We've experienced different traumas and loss. Our our, our family of origin, our friends, all the ways we see the world, all all those things are unique. There's no one all of history that's exactly like you. There's no one like me. And in the middle of this differentness, we get a glimpse of just the great potential of the church. We came across an ad that I think illustrates the difference between unity and uniformity. It's only possible to have the power and beauty of unity if we give up on our desire for uniformity. And unity, it doesn't mean that kind of anything goes. We're not asking people to compromise what the Bible teaches. We're not asking people to betray their conscience before God. We're not advocating for even a a both sides are equal centrist kind of position. And truthfully, there are times when, as a community of followers, it is appropriate and faithful to take a side. I mean, Think about church leaders who risked everything to resist the Third Reich at the beginning of World War II. Or think about those who risked telling the truth about sexual harassment and spiritual abuse, even in the church. And many times those folks have been labeled divisive because they dared to tell the truth. And yet as clear as those circumstances are, there are a great number of issues or kind of hills that people are willing to die on when it comes to their faith that may not be aligned with the Bible or the heart of God. And anytime we begin to draw hard and fast lines, we need to be sure that we heavily season these convictions with humility. There are many examples throughout the course of human history where some Christians in some parts of the church just got it dead wrong. And they did so with great conviction. In American history, there are those who use the Bible to support a position that was against freeing the slaves. Others use it in opposition to women's suffrage Still others use it to make a case against integration of schools and social spaces. And I'm not throwing stones at church history or Christian brothers and sisters, but rather what it is. I think it's an invitation for us to approach our own list of againsts with great humility. Ephesians 4 puts it this way. Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. Make every Effort to keep the unity of the Spirit to the bond of peace. There's one body, one Spirit, just you are called to one hope. When you are called, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who's over all and through all and in all. All right. So up to this point, I've given you some, I think some pretty good theory and some theology. But what does it mean They actually pursue unity as a Christ follower. How do we actually fight divisiveness kind of in real life? Well, here are three ways that you and I can fight divisiveness and pursue unity without uniformity. All right, here you go. First, we must be Jesus-centric. What unites us as Christ followers is that we believe and what we believe about the life, the death, the resurrection and ascension of Jesus. The unity we have as brothers and sisters comes through our focus on Jesus. And this focus then frees us up from getting dragged down in debates about peripheral issues. It allows us to focus on helping people find their way back to God. Now, once upon a time, you know, the most important issues in the church world were doctrinal issues. You know, it was things like, well, what do you believe about predestination? Or what do you believe about eternal security? Or what do you believe about the mode of baptism? And some of those are still around and we still argue and debate, but dividing over doctrine is not nearly as pervasive, even within Christians, as dividing over political ideology. And I think here's why. I think the reason it's more about that today is because most people today are being discipled more by cable news outlets and social media platforms than they are by the life of Jesus, as is discovered in God's word or through the Holy Spirit or by the teaching in a local church. And I just want to say that again, in case you missed it. And see if this is true of you. Most people today are being discipled more. I'm talking about your thoughts and actions are being influenced more by cable news outlets and social media platforms than they are by the life of Jesus as discovered in God's word through the Holy Spirit or by the teaching of a local church. And because Fox News, MSNBC, CNN, all have a doctrine of divisiveness and a bottom line that's all about making money, they will continue to pull some of us further and further to the right and some of us further and further to the left. And if we let them continue to disciple us, they will ultimately divide us. But it's Jesus, it's Jesus that will unite us. And it's only Jesus, as we get to know him and follow him, that offers us a clear vision of human flourishing. You don't get that from a conservative or progressive political ideology. We get that only from Jesus. And pursuing unity starts by being Jesus-centric and staying focused on Jesus. All right, that's first. Second, we must stop judging. Stop judging and trust the one true judge. In Matthew's gospel, Jesus is quoted as saying, do not judge or you too will be judged. From the same way you judge others, you will be judged. And with the same measure you use, it will be measured to you. If you're on social media, you've seen people judging each other over and over and over again, and it's brutal. And if you're not on social media, that's probably why, right? You got tired of all the judgment, the soundbite outrage. And yes, some of it comes from non-Christians, but Christians too. And sometimes just as bad, maybe even worse, Christian leaders in social media. Have you seen that? And, and here's a sidebar. Please, please, please don't do this. As Christ followers, we must do better than that. In fact, once social media researcher kind of explained why this happens, they did some homework on Twitter to try to find out what gets the most retweets. Here's what they discovered: they discovered that every tweet that included morally, emotionally charged words it actually increased the rate of retweeting by 15 to 20%. So in other words, the more moral outrage you can pour into 280 characters, the more likely it is to be retweeted on Twitter. So the less nuance you offer, the less empathy and understanding you offer, the less you try to see things from a different perspective, the less you do any of those things, the more traction your tweet will get. And because judgment is gaining more and more space and driving us further and further into our own echo chambers, it's also driving us further and further from each other and further and further from what God wants for us. We have to guard against this. And it's so easy to get sucked into it. I don't know about you, but I kind of like to think of myself as a fairly non-judgmental person. I try to create open spaces for people you know, who are processing big and sometimes volatile things. But then I take a trip to the grocery store and I can't help but notice the guy in front of me, he's got 12 items in his cart in a 10-item lane. Can't he see the sign It says 10 items or less? (laughs) You know, or you're driving down the highway and I can't believe how awful and how reckless everybody else is driving. But then on that day when I exceed the speed limit, I got a good reason. Oh, I got to get there. I mean, I got to get to this meeting. They're counting on me being there. And I find myself judging people around me. And and the truth is, I have a natural kind of bent towards judgment. And you probably do too. And the reality that God is our judge, while sobering, I mean, we should take that as a huge, just kind of like sigh of relief. It means I don't have to be the one to decide who's guilty and who's not guilty. And I can stay Jesus-centric and invite others to join me. A third way for us to pursue unity, offer fellowship. Offer fellowship to those who are like us and those who are not. Some of my favorite people in the whole world are people who are just way different than me. Don't look like me, don't think like me. They honestly disagree with me but our conversations are full of genuine respect. And one of the things I love most about Jesus is that he pursued friendships with people who were different than him. He hung out with, partied with people far different than him. I mean, Jesus was there. His nickname was Friend of Sinners. He went to their house for dinner. He traveled together with them. They shared moments, ate meals, did life together. Ask yourself a few questions. When's the last time you ate a meal with a homeless person rather than just hand him a few bucks on the highway? When's the last time you had someone over for dinner who's not your skin color or doesn't share your political persuasion? Ask yourself, have you ever broken bread with an addict who's not in recovery? Intrinsically, people are of immeasurable value, all people. And Jesus made a habit of building relationships with folks who are different than him. When we offer true fellowship to folks who are different from us, when we really see them as people, not projects, people, we can begin to understand how and why they might see the world differently. When we do that, that doesn't bring uniformity. What does it bring? Unity. I want to leave you with one last thought. When you aren't sure how to respond, when you aren't sure how to speak or when to speak or exactly what to do, keep this in mind. If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. That's a challenge. Now, There's nothing wrong with disagreeing with people. In fact, conflict can be good and healthy. But in the middle of that disagreement, are we just trying to be right? Or are we pursuing peace when we speak? Are we trying to live at peace as much as it depends on us? See, here's what often happens. When our hearts are fully engaged in a particular stance or a belief or a conviction we have, and we encounter someone that has an equally passionate but opposite conviction, now we have a disagreement. And if we don't try, as far as it depends on you to live at peace, things can get ugly. Because many times, being for something often shifts to being against someone else. Let that sink in. Being for something often leads to being against someone else. Can you relate to being for something and it's shifting towards being against someone else? That's how disagreements can lead to full-on divisiveness. And that's when you need to stay Jesus-centric, stop judging, offer fellowship. That's how you fight divisiveness and pursue unity. Here's what what we're going to do. We're going to take just a few moments to pause And just reflect, I believe sometime during this message, a person or a situation has come to mind where you realize that your words or actions have actually fostered division rather than unity. And I'd like for you just to take a moment. And right now, right now, just go ahead and bring to mind that person. Or or go ahead and bring to mind right now that situation. This is allowing God's Spirit to work in you. That person or that situation. You got it? Now let's go to God. And let's prayerfully ask him to lead us in a better way. Let's pray. Jesus, we confess that our lives have not always been filled with peace. We've not followed your instructions that if it's possible, as far as it depends on me, live at peace with everyone. And I confess, I've not followed the vision of your prayer that we be one as you are one. And Lord, we confess the things that we've done and the things that we've left undone that have fostered division instead of unity. And we ask for your forgiveness. We ask for your peace. We ask that our lives and the lives of everyone we interact with would just overflow with that peace. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. We hope you were encouraged and challenged by today's message. If you'd like to take a next step, head to communitychristian.info. If you'd like prayer, please text the word PRAYER to three three one two two six sixteen eighty six, 226 1686 and a member of our prayer team will reach out to you. To give financially to community, head to givenow.cc. Thanks for listening to the Community Online Podcast.